This message was recorded at Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana. Our goal is to faithfully preach the Word of God for the salvation of sinners, the strengthening of believers, and the glory of God. Please visit our website at www.fillmorebaptist.org and listen for more information at the conclusion of this message. Uh, the, uh, the scripture reading this morning comes from the uh, fourth chapter of Matthew, uh, Matthew 4. Uh, we'll start reading in verse 18. We'll read down to 22. So Matthew 4, verse 18. And uh, when you find it, would you stand? And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in the boat with Zebedee their father, mending their nets. He called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Heavenly Father, again we come before you in the name of Jesus. Lord, thank you for uh, your smile upon us. Lord, we are so grateful for your grace. And Lord, we want to be more aware of your grace toward us. Lord, we want to walk in ways that are pleasing to you. We want to be in the One who ultimately is the only One pleasing to You, Your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we're so thankful for the gift of His righteousness put to our account. Lord, help us this morning as we consider uh, this small section of Your Word to glean from it what you would have us to leave here with. Lord, so that we are uh, better equipped to do what you've called us to do in this world, so that we may shine as lights in this world of darkness. For your glory and honor, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. We have, um, as we've been moving through the book of Matthew um, so far, uh, seen the ministry of John the Baptist. And, and uh, as we talked about last week, now we're, we're in the early stages of, of Jesus' on ministry. And I want to focus in this morning uh, particularly on uh, one verse here, and that is verse 19. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. 
Um, primarily that that uh, that sentence. We're going to look at, at, at consider more of this. Obviously, it's all related, but uh, primarily that that one section. John comes. That is, John the Baptist comes preaching a message. That message, if you look for a moment in chapter three, verse two, is this: Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In uh, Mark one fifteen, it's recorded this way: The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. And believe in the gospel. Repent and believe in the gospel. And then we're told in chapter 4 that Jesus comes saying virtually the same words. Well, it is the same words as in 3.2. This time in 4.17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So, two things primarily I want us to think about this morning in light of this passage, Jesus, uh, in the section that Zach just read, he, Jesus calls four of his uh, apostles, Peter and Andrew, James and John, and he says to them, follow me, command, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Two things I want us to primarily consider here um, are that, well, to say it this way, our responsibility as followers, in other words, he's, he's saying, if you follow me, um, there's, there's work for you to do. And then, I guess what you could call like the reason behind that, and that is the responsibility of every human being to repent and believe the gospel. Because we carry the same message that John the Baptist and Jesus and the apostles carry. Repent. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. So I want to start by looking at uh, the call of Jesus upon these, uh, upon these men. Again, in verse, verse 18, Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee saw two brothers... Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. That's Peter and Andrew, two brothers. And now, verse 21, speaks of, uh, the sons of Zebedee, James and John. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers. And these are also fishermen, by the way. James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, uh, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. as a similar command for them. Follow me. And verse 22 says, And immediately they left the boat and their, fa- and their father, and followed him. So first of all, it's it's a call, right, from Jesus to follow him. And we are called, uh, in, in this case, with these with these men, they are called away from their vocation. They are uh, not just fishing for pleasure; uh, they are vocational fishermen. This is what they do. And it's interesting, I think, that 
Jesus uh, uses the uh, the metaphor of fishing for preaching the gospel. He 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 speaks to them in a way that they can relate to. You follow me, and you're going to leave this type of fishing behind, but you're not going to stop fishing. You're you're just going to go after a different catch, different type of fish. This time you're going to be fishing for not fish, but men. And immediately they follow Him. So Jesus calls us to something. Now, I know in this passage... Uh, again, it's it's a it's a it's a record specifically of four individuals called to our, a particular task, but I think it's applicable to all of us to some degree. Um, first of all, in the way of salvation, that Jesus calls us to follow Him, to to believe on Him, to come after Him, and secondly, for our own type of particular. Vocation. That is, God has something particular for each one of us to do to advance the kingdom. We're not all apostles, right? We're not all evangelists. We're not all pastors. Or you, you could go down the list. Go over to uh, Corinthians. Look at uh, a whole list there of spiritual gifts. And we don't possess all of those gifts. We have particular giftings. And in this life, we have particular callings to do different things. But behind it all, the primary thing is that we follow Jesus. What I'm saying is you can follow Jesus as a fisherman. You can follow Jesus as a pastor, evangelist, or apostle in their case. You can follow Jesus as a welder, or a warehouse worker, or a housewife. Or whatever it is that you do, you can follow Jesus in doing it and fish for men while you do it. In fact, uh, this is what I want us to see. That's not only uh, something that we can do as, as though we're allowed to do it, but it's something that we are called to do. Follow Jesus in our Vocation. So we're called um, from something to something, like they were called out of the boats, literally, to literally follow Christ, to go after Him wherever He went. We are called, all Christians are called, for example, out of darkness. That's good news, isn't it? <laughs> we just talked about that last week. Uh, look over at verse uh uh, 14, when Jesus goes into Galilee, Matthew says that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And upon those who sat in the region of the shadow of death, light has dawned. So at the coming of Christ, light has dawned. And He's called us out of darkness... But it doesn't stop there. He's called us into the light. Well, there's so many, uh, so many times that, that that light is used to describe uh, God and the things of God, and and in fact, us, those who believe on Christ, uh, 
we are to walk in the light as children of the light, as sons of the light. And He's called us out of death unto life. It's always from something to something. So John 5.24, Jesus says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. That's just another way of saying, out of darkness into light. Out of one thing into another thing. John, uh, the Apostle John in 1 John 3.14 says, We know that we passed from death to life because we love the brethren. Ephesians 2.1 says, You He made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. And again in verse 6, Ephesians 2.6, He raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Those of us who were dead are now made alive. And He's called us out of sin to righteousness. We've been talking a little bit about this on, uh, on Wednesday nights. And uh, uh, may some yet to come. Called out of something to something. Out of sin to righteousness. For example, Romans 6.16, Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slave whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. Having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. From sin to righteousness. That's a glorious truth, by the way, that we, we, are, we are never uh, free. Christians are delivered from slavery to sin. We are now slaves to Christ. I mean, there's a sense in which we are free. We're free from sin. But it's because we're now slaves to righteousness. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. And then Romans 6.22, But now, having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end, everlasting life. Out of sin to righteousness. Out of darkness to light. Out of death to life. His call is always... A call out of, sure, but it's also a call to something. So, follow me, come out of the boat, come out of your present vocation, your present life, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. I'm calling you to something. A couple other things just to note here. First of all, um, the sovereignty of Jesus. Jesus has the right to call to Himself whomever He wills. Now, I think there's evidence here of, of a prior relationship. That is, he, this wasn't the first time that they uh, were hearing of Him or, or seeing Him. But, nevertheless, for a man to say to them, leave everything and follow Me, um, is, is quite a demand, isn't it? 
And they didn't hesitate. Immediately, they left their nets and followed Him. Or, in the case of James and John, immediately they left the boat and their father. They were leaving, back, leaving behind goods and kindred. Martin Luther said, let good and kindreds go. This mortal life also to follow Christ. To follow Christ. Jesus is sovereign and He has the right to call Himself whomever He wills. John 5.21, Jesus Himself says it this way, For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, or gives life to them, even so the Son gives life to whom He will. He's sovereign. And secondly, the power of Jesus' call. It's effective. His call is effective. He has the power to call to Himself whomever He will. Not only the right to, but the power to. And so He says to them, follow Me. And what do they do? Immediately they follow Him. His call is, is effective. When He specifically calls someone to a specific task, the result is always that it happens. That's, that's something to keep in mind. Because again, verse 19 is applicable to us. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Now guess what? The four that he said that to became fishers of men. And so it's true of us as well. I mean, it'll have a, a somewhat of a different, uh, it'll manifest in somewhat of a different way. You, you may not be called to leave your vocation. You may fish for men right where you are. But there's a sense in which you'll have to leave it because you'll have to leave off trusting in it and trusting in yourself. And all devotion will have to be Christward. So there's always a sense in which every believer must give up all things for Christ to become fishers of men. Jesus has the right to call us to do what He wants us to do, and He has the power to call us to do what He wants us to do. Make it effective. Whoever He calls to do His will, will do His will. Now, that being said, this call is a call to work. And this is where I want to get into the responsibility of His followers. The responsibility of believers. Verse 19 again. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me and, and you won't be idle. This is, this is not going to be passive. It's going to be active on your part. You're, you're, going, to, you're going to do something. You're going to focus on me and follow me. So where I go, you go. Where my foot falls, your foot falls. Follow me, and I will make you something. It's interesting, isn't it? He's, he's saying, you, you, you leave your, in this case, your nets, your boat, your father, you leave them behind, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make something out of you. 
a different type of fisherman. A fisher for men. We are called to join Jesus in kingdom work. We're called to join in kingdom work. To engage. To be fishers of men. We're called to call men to Christ. To do what John the Baptist was doing. Repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And to point to Christ. To point men and women to Christ. Our calling is to call others to Christ. To go after them. To fish for them. This is part of kingdom living. To be faithfully engaged in the business of the king. Now, it's, it's, it's worth thinking about that uh, Jesus doesn't... Uh, not that maybe this happens sometimes, but not usually the case. It's worth thinking about that Jesus doesn't kill us and take us to heaven the moment that we're saved. Just a simple way of illustrating that He has us here for a purpose, right? He has us here for a purpose, to do His will. Now, you may, you may die five minutes after you're saved, or you may die 90 years after you're saved. H- however long that period is, there's work to do. Be engaged in the business of the king, in the business of the kingdom. Calling men to repentance. That's, that's what he's meaning by fishing for men. Calling, calling men to repentance. Preaching the same gospel that John the baptizer preached and that Jesus himself preached and that later the apostles preached. Repent. That's, it, was a, it was basically a, a simple message, right? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, there are various ways of saying it. Sometimes they would say, repent and believe the gospel. Or sometimes simply believe on Christ. Jesus was asked one time, what what do we do to do the work of God? And He said, this is the work of God, that you believe on the one whom He has sent. So, we're to call men to believe. To repent. To change, their, to change their thinking about God and the things of God. And to change their conduct. Instead of running from God, to run to God. And we're called to be fully committed to this work. Again, that's illustrated here in the lives of these four men. They leave everything to follow Him. In Luke 5.28, uh, that's essentially how it's worded uh, about Matthew, or uh, Levi, he's also known as. When Jesus uh, issued the call to Matthew to come follow me, Luke 5.28 says, He left all, rose up, and followed Him. Signifying, again, total commitment. Now, let me just, just to be clear, let me say again, not everybody's called to walk off their job. <laughs> Matthew was specifically called. I mean, he, he literally, he was a tax collector and he literally walked off his job. James and John, Peter and Andrew, literally, at this point at any rate, it's not that they didn't ever fish again, but at least at this point, they left and went after Jesus. And we know uh, from the book of Acts, that uh, their vocation became preaching the Word. 
preaching the Word. Not everybody is called to do that, but everybody is called to total devotion. And again, that, that, may, that may mean fishing for men while you're doing your other kind of fishing, while you're working as a tax collector, while you're working as an auto mechanic, or while you're working as a secretary, or whatever it is you, that you do, it is possible to do the work of the kingdom while you're doing it, to fish for men while you're doing it. So we're called to be fully committed to kingdom work, to leave all, as it were, and follow Christ. Now, why? Why is it so important that we do this? Why are we given the responsibility to preach the the Gospel? Why are we given the responsibility to call men to repentance? And and again, please keep in mind when I'm I'm saying that, when I use terms like preach the Gospel or, or call men to repentance... I'm not, I'm not meaning necessarily in some formal way. It's not that you've got to go out and hold a crusade meeting or that you've got to get up behind a pulpit and do it. I just mean sharing the gospel as you come in contact with people, as you interact with them in daily living. You share with them the good news about Jesus Christ, that we're all sinners and that Christ came to die for sinners. Man, if that's not an example of the smile of God, I don't know what is. <laughs> that's a paradox, isn't it? Because it is true. We, we look at the Scripture and it is true. God is angry with sinners every day. Right? And we all deserve the wrath of God. God hates sin. But, when you look at Christ and the work of Christ... What you see there is the smile of God upon people, upon His creation. It's grace. It's grace. Christ came and died for sinners, not because sinners deserve to be saved, but because it pleased God to do it. (laughs) He enjoys saving lost souls. So that's our responsibility. Preaching the gospel, that's what we're sharing. That's what we're telling people. That's what we're, we're uh, living out, putting on display for people. The grace of God. Now, again, getting back to this second part. Why? Why do we have that responsibility? Which uh, we should... It is a responsibility, and I am trying to make that point, but uh, we, we certainly should remember that it's a great privilege. It's a great privilege. It's, it's fine to think of these things as duty because they are duty for the Christian. But, uh, boy, it, it should be a joyous duty for us to perform because it's a great privilege to be in on the kingdom work. Why are we called to this responsibility, to this privilege of sharing the gospel? Because people are responsible to believe it. Every human being is responsible before God for their sin and therefore um, in need of Christ and responsible to believe 
the gospel. All must repent. Again, chapter 4, verse 17, Jesus, this is what He goes preaching. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In Matthew eleven twenty, which Lord willing, we'll get to, Jesus uh, begins to rebuke certain cities because they refused to repent. He began to rebuke the cities in which most of His mighty works had been done because they did not repent. In Matthew twenty three thirty seven, which again, Lord willing, we'll get to eventually, Jesus mourns over Jerusalem and says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets, stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. He's, he's, as He goes, He's issuing the command to repent. And they're responsible to do it, but they... Well, some repent and some refuse. John 5.40. We may come back to this one in a moment. But you are not willing to come to Me that you may have life. John 5.40. But you are not willing to come to Me that you may have life. Now, Simply put, again, just restate it real quick. All believers have the responsibility to carry the gospel into the world. And if it's the will of God that we make it to the end of this study, we'll see that in Matthew 28, won't we? Go into all the world. Preach the gospel to every creature. Those that believe and are baptized shall be saved. So we have the responsibility to carry the gospel to every Creature, because every creature, I say it this way, every human being is responsible before God for their sin. And they're responsible before God to repent. Now, kind of briefly here. Um, There are two errors that I think uh, we could easily fall into here that I I want to mention because these are common. In fact, if you would, I said we might go back to John 5. Let's do that. Let's go to John 5. There, There are two errors here that we could easily slip off into. One is, um, we'll just call it... uh, this is kind of a broad label, but just to make it easy. Armenianism. What is Armenianism? We're not talking about the Armenians that live uh, over in Turkey. Uh, you know, right, right border Turkey, rather. <laughs> um, we're, we're talking about here those who adopt the teaching of a man named James Arminius, lived in the Middle Ages. And, and I'm just going to have to kind of s- sum it up, you know, very... Uh, uh, and, you know, probably oversimplify it, but, but uh, that's, that's all right for our present purpose, I think. But uh, Ar- Arminianism basically being this, it, 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 it denies the total depravity of man. 
one of the arguments is this. If God calls on all men to repent, if, if all men everywhere have that responsibility, they cannot be held responsible for something they cannot do. Therefore, they must have the power to do it. That's, that's the logic. So, if, if God is really demanding that all men everywhere repent, then they must be able to do it. Like I say, probably oversimplifying it some, but that's basically the Armenian approach. It denies the total depravity of man. It says that man has enough goodness in him that he can make the right decision about Christ apart from uh, God enabling. You know, I mean, he can just he can he can hear the gospel and say, you know what? I recognize I need that and follow Christ just just totally out of his own will. In fact, that's usually the way it's it's uh it's characterized today, free will. Take free will to that ex- that extreme, I think it's an extreme, to that extreme saying man has free will to choose good or evil. Now, let me just say quickly on that, I think the scriptural view is that Man is totally depraved, corrupted. There is nothing within us that would move us to accept the gospel and come to Christ. It takes divine intervention because quite the opposite is true. Not only will we not come to Christ, but we actually actively and intentionally, you know, run from Christ. Because our nature is corrupt and our will is not free in the sense that it is totally autonomous. Decisions aren't made in a vacuum. Our will is in bondage to our nature. That is, we make decisions based on who we are, our very nature. And that's why Paul says in Romans, there are none good. No, not one. There are none righteous. There are none, he says, who seek after God. Why is that? Because we're totally depraved. Jeremiah says, the heart of man is deceitful and wicked above all things. Who can know it? And as I already said, Arminianism denies that. So that's one error we could fall into. We could say, like they do, if God demands that all men everywhere repent, then it must be possible for them to do it without God's help. The other error, less common, but uh, but it is uh, it is it, it, it exists, and it's more common than. Uh, we probably know is is what we what men have termed hyper Calvinism. Now that's going to require a little explanation too. Let me let me say this: <coughs> Calvinism, the, the the term Calvinist, 
Calvinism usually refers to um, the acceptance of the absolute sovereignty of God. That is, that God is absolutely sovereign even in the sense of deciding whom He will save. And that those who come to Christ come because God has given them that ability. He has changed their nature. You know, I said a few moments ago that the, the will, that is our decision-making process, is in bondage to our nature. So what God does is change our nature, enabling us to see the beauty of the gospel, enabling us to see the beauty of Jesus Christ, and desire Him and come to Him. Um, that view, and I, and I want to say this clearly, that view, I believe, is the scriptural view. Now, it's often called, and, and I'm, I'm just saying this for, by way of explanation, it's often called Calvinism. Uh, let me say clearly, Calvin did not originate it. <laughs> he taught it, but it didn't originate with him. Uh, it, it is the biblical view. Um, just for example, um, if you look for a moment in John 6, And let's see, go down to verse 37. All that the Father, is Jesus speaking, all that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all He has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. And you go on. I'm going to skip down a little bit. If, if Take the time on your own to read John 6. Powerful. Powerful. But uh, let me skip down for the sake of time. Verse 65. Therefore, I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my Father. Now, let's go back to John 5 for a minute, which I alluded to earlier. And look at verse 21. For as the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the Son gives life to whom He will. As the Father, as the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the Son gives life to whom He will. As we said earlier, Jesus is sovereign. In his calling. And that applies to salvation. He gives life to whom he will. Now, here's getting back to my two errors to avoid, and we're going to come back to John 5 real quickly, but here's the other error hyper Calvinism which denies, without, without going into a lengthy uh, description, which denies the responsibility of man. So I already said about Arminianism, it denies the depravity of man. It says, uses this logic, if God commands all men everywhere to repent, then man must be able to do it. And I would say, from a biblical viewpoint, wrong. Wrong. But likewise, the hyper-Calvinist denies... The responsibility of man using this logic. If God 
commands all men everywhere to repent, they would have to be able to do it. Therefore, God does not command all men everywhere to repent. The gospel is not offered to all. That responsibility, the responsibility of repentance is not laid upon all men, meaning every single individual. That's basically the hyper-Calvinist view, which is just as wrong as the Arminian view we spoke of a moment ago. And may I say, it kills evangelism. That kind of logic says, you know what? God's not calling everybody to repentance. So we don't need to do anything. We can just take a passive approach. Thank God we're saved. And God will save whom He wills. No point in us preaching repentance because they can't do it anyway. And those whom God has chosen will come anyway. So there's no need for us to evangelize. Or at least, no need for us to be that serious about it or fervent in it. Now again, I'm oversimplifying some, but that is basically... Um, the position of the hyper-Calvinist. The responsibility of repentance is not laid upon all. They're basically in their sin. They cannot help it. We don't need to make any effort to reach them. I think both of those things fly into the face of Scripture. It is true that God is sovereign. It is true, like we just read in John 6. Jesus says, All that the Father gives me will come to me. His call is effectual. Remember, we saw that earlier example in the, uh, in the apostles here. Jesus says, Follow me. What do they do? They get up and come. Because He not only has the right to call, He has the power. That is, he, he, with His call comes enabling power. So when he called Lazarus out of the grave, come forth, his call enabled Lazarus to do what Jesus was requiring him to do. It's effective. There was no chance Lazarus wasn't going to come out of the grave. There's no chance that Jesus is going to call somebody to salvation and they're not going to come. All that the Father has given me will come to me, Jesus says, and I will raise him up at the last day. Now, let me go back to John 5 for just a moment, because I want you to see uh, that I'm not making this paradox up. This paradox of the sovereignty of God and the responsibility of man. And I think it's here in Jesus' own words. Pardon me, I lost my place. I've got to get back here. John 5. I look at verse uh, 21 one more time. For as the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the Son... Gives life to whom He will. That, to me, that's just a, a crystal clear statement of the sovereignty of God in salvation. The Son gives life to whom He will. What about the responsibility of man? 
What about preaching to all, to every creature? Now, go down to verse 34. And again, I'm not going to read all the verses in between for the sake of time. If you want to go back and do that on your own, uh, I would, I would uh, encourage that. Verse 34. Yet I do not receive the testimony from man, but I say these things that you may be saved. I do not receive testimony from man, but I say these things that you might be saved. Who's he talking to there? Well, let's go down a little further. Verse 37. Same conversation. And the Father Himself who sent me has testified of me. You have neither heard His voice at any time nor seen His form. But you do not have His Word abiding in you because whom He sent you do not believe. You search the Scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life and these are they which testify of me. But you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. He that has ears to hear, let him hear. Look at verse 34. I say these things to you, I say these things that you may be saved. Look at verse 40. You are not willing to come to me that you may have life. And keep in mind verse 21. The Son gives life to whom He will. Jesus knows better than any of us the sovereignty of God. (laughs) I mean, when He said the Son gives life to whom whom He will, He's talking about Himself. And if there was ever an evangelist that knew who the chosen were and weren't, it was Jesus. And He did, because He knew the hearts of men. And yet, He preached repentance to all. And He said, I say these things that you may be saved. That is, the suggestion is, if you believe these things, you'll be saved. If you come to Me, you'll be saved. But you will not come so that you may have life. Now, if the one who knew the hearts of all men and could stand and look at them face to face, knowing that ultimately they would reject Him, or that, you know, those who would believe. If the one who knew the hearts of men spoke to people, quote, that they may be saved, unquote, if He preached repentance to all and instructed His disciples to do the same thing, how much more is it incumbent on you and I to do that when we don't know to whom we speak? And I look at a person, I, I, I believe, and again, I want to affirm it, I, I believe in the absolute sovereignty of God. I want to echo Jonathan Edwards there and say, I happily affirm the absolute sovereignty of God. And I believe the words of Jesus in John 6, 
And only those that the Father has given to Him will come to Him and ultimately be saved. But when I look at an individual face to face or at a crowd, I do not know who the elect is and who is not. That is, whom God has chosen and whom has not. And He hasn't given me that responsibility and He hasn't told me to worry about it. He just says, go preach to every creature. The saving part is His business. We preach, He saves. He saves whom He will. Follow me, Jesus says, and I will make you fishers of men. That is, if He has called you, He has called you to something. He has called you to kingdom work. And the kingdom work is primarily this, that you fish for men. That you proclaim the gospel to individuals. That you tell them the truth of the gospel. That they are sinners, that we are sinners in need of a Savior and Christ is the only Savior. And you point them to Christ and say, here's your only hope. Believe the gospel. You've got a responsibility. Believe the gospel. Believe it. Or we could just simply say it this way. Believe on Jesus Christ. You're responsible for what, for how you respond to Christ. So we're called to be fishers of men. I want to pick up tonight, um, well, talking about how Jesus does that in, in these next few verses and in His ministry. And again, hopefully show uh, this is what He's doing. He's traveling about ministering to all. <clears throat> and that's an example for us to follow. Follow Him. And He will make you no ifs, ands, or buts. If you're a follower of Christ, He will make you fishers of men for His glory. Would you stand, please? This sermon is made available through the ministry of Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana. Our desire is to faithfully proclaim the message of salvation which God has provided in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ our Lord. For more resources and information, please visit our website at www.fillmorebaptist.org. You may use the links there to contact us or write us at Fillmore Baptist Church, 6304 Highway 80, Princeton, Louisiana, 71067.